Praise God. Let's just turn in our Bibles to the book of Chronicles. The book of Chronicles. Okay, there are two books of Chronicles. Let's go to the second one, Chronicles chapter 5. We're going to read there from verse 13. Okay, that's two Chronicles, chapter 5, from verse 13. And it came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And then Psalm 22, verse 1 to 3, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. But you are holy, O you that inhabit the praises of Israel. You are holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for your precious word. Thank you that it's a wonderful guide. Thank you that if we approach it correctly, it can bring life. Not only to us, but to those around us. And we pray this morning that we might have the eyes of our understanding enlightened, that what we speak about might become revelation, fresh revelation from heaven. Thank you that this revelation is baked this morning in heaven for us. And we pray that you might make a feast of it. Thank you that no force of darkness will stop this word from prevailing throughout the earth. And we declare this in the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now the title of this message, if you do want to write the title down, is very simply this. Releasing faith through praise and worship. Releasing faith through praise and worship. Did you know that Christians, generally speaking, are referred to as believers? Amen. Now, what is the use of a believer who doesn't believe? What's the use of a motor car without a motor? Pretty useless, isn't it? I've got a beautiful Lamborghini Sport. Look at my great car. Don't you like the color? Are you into Lamborghini, by the way? No, no, you're a Porsche man, right? Okay, what's the top of the range Porsche right now as we speak? This is a man in an encyclopedia on Porsche. What is it? 918 Spider. 918 Spider. Look at my nine Porsche 918 Spider standing outside. And you know what? If I had one of those, I'd wear shades. <laughs> I'd wear shades and you say, oh, Graham's really hip now. <laughs> and imagine after church, I'm off to Joburg, listen to me, I'm into my spider sports, whatever. And I get in, and you're all watching, waiting for this thing to disappear in a cloud of glory, smoke and sound, knock off. I turn the engine. A deafening silence. Why? I go through this whole performance with the shade and I strike the button, whatever you do, and nothing happens. Oh my goodness. I'm going to look a bit stupid, aren't I? Especially if you open up the engine of this monster and what do you find? No engine. The girls will giggle right there, politely. Everybody will creep home and I'll push this heap of a car into the garage.
Now, what I'm trying to say is you and I, as Christians, are believers. A person believes. That makes him a believer. But what makes us able to believe? This is what you've got to understand. The substance of faith. Right? And it's very simple to understand. We should all know this in the church. I'm hammering it until we see it. Because the more I speak about faith, the more our faith will arise. The more our faith arises, the more God can manifest in our midst. The more God can manifest in our midst, the more we can do on this earth. Can everybody say hallelujah, amen? amen. Praise God. You see, faith is the substance that God needs to manifest. Amen. We should all know that by now. You don't get into your Bible. You forget to pray. You don't bother to pitch up to church, etc. and etc. and etc. What will happen to your faith level? Without even realizing it, you know what happens? The faith level, like the water table, goes down, down, down. Has anybody seen the water table lately? Can you see the water level? Just because we can't see it going down, does that mean it stays the same? Or we start to notice that suddenly you're not allowed to water your lawn. You're not allowed to water and clean your Lamborghini sports. Sorry, Porsche, excuse me for swearing. You can't see the water table, but you just notice everything drying. We went to a game farm. What is a game farm without any game? The farmer drove us around this game farm. And you know what? We couldn't find one green leaf. One green leaf, let alone an insect, let alone a bird, let alone a buck of some sort. The only animal we saw was this massive ox that he kept as a farmer and Tim got on it to ride. It was quite a start. Now, whatever got to speak about a dead game farm, a lot of Christians, you know what? I am a Christian, a Christ in. But I've neglected my faith level and it's gone down, 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 down. And you know what that does? That prevents God himself from manifesting in our lives, you see. And we start to think, hmm, where's God? And then the devil's quick to come to the scene and say, oh, lady doesn't love you. Oh my goodness, God doesn't love me. Dare not set foot in his house. He might strike me dead. Do you understand the pattern? It's a process of separating us. Brothers and sisters, you and I have a responsibility to involve ourselves with spiritual activity, which will automatically do what? Water and water and water, that seed of faith inside of us, which allows God to make him real to us. Amen? Can I tell you one of the most powerful ways of releasing faith? You see, having faith and releasing it allows God to manifest. That's the story throughout the entire Bible. Every time, Old Testament, New Testament, the moment people released faith, God was able to pitch. Do we need God to pitch in this country right now? Amen. Praise God. You see, Christianity is not a religion. It's not a goal set of rules that you can contemplate and argue about and negotiate. No! It's a relationship with God. And God relationship that wants to be real, 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 real. As real as you relate to one another. We relate to one another. Can you all say amen? That's what he wants. You see? Just give him the faith and he will do it. 
Amen. Now you see, we read about this passage. Now listen, they have this wonderful Old Testament scripture. Notice Old Testament. Let me tell you, whatever happens for good in the Old Testament can be multiplied by how much in the New? About 10,000 because the revelation of God has come. But here we have Solomon dedicating his temple. He spent a lot of time building this thing. Amen. A lot of time. Seven years, I think it was. And there wasn't allowed to be any noise on the site. Imagine Peter trying to build without any noise on the site. Have you ever tried that? <laughs> of course, the builders then weren't like the builders today. But here we have it. They had to knock these bricks off site that there was supposed to be no sound. The day comes, everybody says, we're going to dedicate this beautiful temple, massive structure, and they all start to gather and move towards Jerusalem. Then their band strikes up. What a band. I mean, trumpets, old two choirs, a lot, tambourines. It's quite a noise. Heaven's a noisy place, by the way. If you like solemn, quiet music, don't go. <laughs> don't go. <laughs> there might be a quiet spot for people like me. But anyway, here we go, and they have this wonderful praise and the worship. Guess how many songs they sang? One. And you know what they're saying? God is good. His mercy endures forever. Isn't that beautiful? God is good. It was like their national anthem. And all these people, can you imagine gathering from afar? They can hear it and they probably start to hum and move. And these words are going through their mind. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Are you hearing? Yes. Faith comes by hearing. From afar they hear this anthem and they all know the words. God is good. What's happened to their faith? Starting to. They all get closer to the temple and everybody is gathered. I don't know how they got the whole nation into one building. They didn't even have loudspeaker systems or closed circuit television. I don't know the details, but that's what they did. And you know what? They came to a place where this worship that was ascending unto God with all these symbols. Can you imagine all these crashing symbols? and blaring trumpets, and singers, and harps, and, I don't know what else, rams, horns, going, how shall I say, what's the word in our local vernacular that could try and sort of secure it, well, whatever, they're making a, a boy, is that right, I don't know the word, but they're making one, heaven of a racket, Okay, but the point I'm trying to make is, in this environment, what's happening to everybody's collective faith? bigger and bigger and by singing songs of praise they are releasing it into the spirit. What did David know? God dwells in the praises of his Amen. So you have this great anointed worship is going up. God in the heaven says glory. Here is my opportunity. Amen. Here is faith. A whole nation united releasing faith into the spirit realm. I can now manifest. And what does he do? I find this quite amusing actually. He pitches up in the temple and guess what he does? He knocks the priests over. <laughs> I think he does that to get them to shut up for once. <laughs> so when I fall over, you know what happened? What I'm trying to say is that, you see, God was able to manifest in the praises of his people. Now, 
You all know about this terrible thing that happened in Paris, etc. And it's happening, it's going to happen more and more and more. I don't want to prophesy, but that is the nature of the game. Because let me say something. You can't stamp out an ideology with an FN rifle. I saw a picture of that terrible war they had in, uh, where was it? Gaza Strip. And the terrible picture was this. A young Palestinian boy sitting by, can you believe it? A Nissan truck, I don't know, Toyota truck, but anyway. And on his face was this terrible anguish. A teenager, almost, I think, a little bit younger than Anakia. And you could see that he was totally and utterly devastated. And the reason why? He just got news that his father had been killed by a bomb. Where did the bomb come from? Israel. Okay? Now, what am I saying? I don't want to get into political arguments. I mean, the one lobs the rockets over, the other one retaliates, obviously. But, you see, in trying to stamp this thing out, and maybe killing ten of them, what happens? You've just read another 20 of the children. You understand? Can you see the problem? I'm not saying that force is necessary on occasion. Please, I don't want to judge anybody. But that's not the answer. Are you That is not the answer. What is the answer? There's only one answer. Can I tell you what it is? The presence of the living. Are you The other day I was chatting to somebody, a devout atheist. Have you met devout atheists before? They're more fanatic than me. There's nothing more beautiful than the gleam of conviction in the eye of a fanatic. You'll get that one day. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is this. He wanted to get me into arguing about the Bible. He wanted to get me into arguing about the Bible. How can you believe in a book in which a snake speaks like a person. Got a thing about the snake talking business. You know Genesis? And all he wanted me to say was, yeah, I believe that the snake talked like a person. And he said, oh, you see, you literally believe this bunch of myths. How can you logically think a snake, a snake would speak like a human? Well, I... I just tried to explain to you, I'm not going to bother to defend the Bible. You know what? The Bible has successfully defended itself for the last how many thousands of years. I'm not going to try and waste my time doing that. It can do it for itself. Amen. But I just went on to say something. You know, if you've decided that only what you can understand is all that there is, amen, then it's pointless because there's a whole world out there that you cannot apprehend with the brain. Amen. You can't. And I said, in point of fact, I've experienced things that make a snake talking like child's play, actually. Amen? I may not have seen a snake speaking like a person, but I can tell you what I have seen. I've seen a person writhing on the floor and hissing like a snake. That might shock you, but when you have deliverance sessions, that sort of thing happens from time to time. Amen? I'll tell you another shocking story somebody from the farming area told me. There was a baboon, can you believe it, stealing their millies? What do you do with a big baboon that's stealing your millies? 
you haven't got a weapon to pot it through the head, you take a big stick and you beat it. Amen? Which is what he did. He tried to stop this baboon from stealing his meal. Guess what happened? This might shock you. You don't have to believe me. But the thing transformed into a human. You try and work that out with your brain. Hmm? Forget it. Forget it. There are things out there which you and my mind cannot comprehend. Amen? You understand? There's more to this world than you and my brain. Again, I'll tell you another shocking story. These witch doctors are capable of changing themselves into dust. Can you believe it? That's what they do. They change themselves into dust and go under the door into a hut and do their thing and come out again and transform back into people. That's what we are up against, brothers and sisters. Can you logically explain that? It's impossible. All right? Our minds go into a bit of spasm. Now listen, you might have read things in the Bible that when you read them you think, well, this is just impossible. The world made in a day. All right? But I agree. There are a lot of things in the Bible that are seemingly impossible. But can I just suggest to you a way of approaching it that makes it a lot easier for you and I? Do you know something? These things are understood when our faith level rises. Amen? And faith grows. Amen? Faith grows. Let me give you a very simple analogy. I'm sure this will help all of us. Imagine you were given a map book and you've never seen a map book before. Forget about Google Earth, etc. Just you're given a map book. What is the first thing you'll do with the map? You go and find where you live. Am I right? The moment you identify your street with highways, this is true. That looks familiar. What's next? You find, oh, there's a shopping center next door. Oh, that's, that's true. Amen. Then what's next? Oh, next door to us, there's Irene down the road. Yes, that's in the map. I recognize that road. Do you understand? What's happening? Your my faith in this book is growing. All right? Eventually you'll say, well, look, you know what? It says Job is along this road. And you have the strength of character or whatever to get in your car and say, go along that road. Oh, goodness me, Job is here. All right? Can you see? Our faith just grows in the reliability of the book. Eventually, what will happen? You'll say, well, I want to get to Durban. Amen? And you see on the road, well, that's the road, that's the road to take. And you have confidence that if you get on it, you'll get there. Am I right? That happened to us when we were in the town. We were found ourselves in, of all places, what's it called? Lady Smith. Has anybody been to Lady Smith? Quite a place, isn't it? Awesome. 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 But you see, we weren't content to be in Ladysmith. We needed to get to Kwa Kwa. I can't say it's the way it's supposed to be said, but it's something along those lines. How many of you know there's more than one way to get from Ladysmith to Kwa Kwa? Amen? So you see, I realized that if we took the main road, the highway, we have to go through a number of toll gates. Who loves toll gates? Every time you get to them, they sort of add a bit extra on. Have you noticed? So what did I do? I went to the sea and I bought myself a map book. And lo and behold, I could see there was a shortcut. So off we go. On the shortcut. I had enough faith in the map book to realize that eventually you must get to where we were going. You understand? Does anybody create a map book? I open it up here and I see, oh, Clifton's down, Big Beach is just down the road here. 
very nice, but I mean, would how much space would I have in the MacBook? What I'm trying to say is that I bought a MacBook, I had enough space in it to know that it would get me there. You hear me? Even though, lo and behold, the, the roads in the Telfer once were fantastic, the moment we the free state, guess what? Permanently under construction. And what was supposed to be a shortcut became a detour. And I noticed on this detour, the people driving past, their faces were more haggard as you got along. Guess why? <laughs> By the end of the trip, my face was also a bit haggard because of the bumps, etc. We even had a puncture, praise God. But we got there. Are you hearing me? We got there. Why? We had faith in the map for cancer. And the Bible is the same. Let me tell you. You might not understand the big things that seem sort of impossible, like a sea parting, the heaven stalling, everything like that. To the natural mind, you just can't grasp it to start off with, maybe. But can I tell you something? There's a lot of information here that refers to you and my life where we're at. Amen? And we put it into practice and we find out, hey, it works. Amen? It works. There's such a thing as working through this unforgiveness that's plaguing my life. Amen? There's such a thing as being born again. There's such a thing as speaking in tongues. There's such a thing as all these smaller things we go through, then we find it's all true. Guess what happens? Our faith goes to be able to believe maybe God can do the rest. Are you hearing me today? But what am I saying? You see, you and I, we're faced with this terrible, terrible onslaught of what I will call secular humanism. It's a thinking pattern. It's amazing that people, when they get into this, they all think the same. Have you noticed? They all think the same. They have no difference of opinion. They all think Obama's the best thing since toast. They think that no Muslims shame, you must have sympathy with them. They've all really been given a bad going life. The gay right mood is something straight from heaven and we must embrace it with open arms. You understand? They all think the same thing. The same thing. And you wonder, where is the spirit coming from? And it's based on a very clever way of thinking about the world, which excludes God, unfortunately. You understand? And it's so difficult to argue with people like this. Why? Because just about the whole world has been caught up in this whole flood. You can't say anything bad about anybody. Except the Christians, of course. Amen. Speak about the Bible. Oh, my. Oh, you are now a bigoted fundamental. You're back in the dark ages. Your mind is closed. You know nothing. You are separated from reality. Have you heard this before? Oh, but you're a Muslim. Oh, you know everything. Despite the fact that you're not in the Muslim faith, you're allowed to beat your wife. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that awesome? She gives any trouble. You know what the Bible says? She's under your control. If any trouble, you can smack her around. And, the, 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 you know, the, the church will welcome you with open arms, not even an issue. That's lovely, isn't it? And if you're homosexual, by the way, there's no even question about it. Your head comes off. Plus, if you're infidel, you know what an infidel is? Anybody doesn't agree with you 100%. You're entitled to put them into servitude. Isn't that wonderful? How enlightened. Oh, but that's fine. That's beautiful. They must all be looked after. But as Christians, oh no, oh no. We believe in a talking snake. Oh, how ridiculous. How past the pale. We believe in the virgin birth. How can a woman give birth without having had sex? 
In other words, Christian, sit down, shut up, you know nothing. You know nothing. We all know it about it. Don't you dare suggest that we might be wrong. Oh, don't speak about sin. Do you know how ridiculous it is? Ask this gentleman, how is it that he come from apes? Now, this is my big argument. He said, we all developed from the apes. So one ape is as good as another, don't you think? Don't you think one ape is as good as another? We used to shoot the apes that came for the meal. Amen? Through the head. If they would let you, they're quite clever, actually, these apes. But then I said, now you're getting upset because, you know, here in a theater in, in France, somebody starts shooting these apes like clay pigeons. You get upset. Why get upset? Why get upset? Please tell me. Why get upset? Oh, don't you know? Don't you know the great Dawkins? He really discovered that humans develop their morals separate from religion. By the way, according to this theory, your and my morals evolved genetically. Did you know that? A sense of right and wrong evolved genetically. How's that? Now my question is, here we have in this Paris nightclub, we've got some people who have evolved genetically to think that this is wrong, but a few crowded, deluded individuals who haven't obviously evolved genetically come in and start putting them all off. <laughs> now why does the one evolve and not the other? Can you please tell me? Oh no, don't you know there's a reason for that? It's in the genes. It's in the genes. It's in the genius. Yes, yes, it's in the genius. Well, my point I'm trying to make is when you get that sort of mentality which sincerely believes that, you know what, the hippo is a descendant of the whale. <laughs> <laughs> yes, proved scientifically. Scientifically proved. The hippo comes from the whale. Really? There's no fossil evidence, by the way, at all. My, my brother, as you all know, he's a paleontologist. It's archaeological people that look at the fossils. He's a fossil fanatic. Fossil fanatic. You know they discovered this Homo Naledi, the, the South African brand of the real man. Amen? You all heard about Homo Naledi. In five seconds flat, they put a picture of this fossil relic <laughs> filled with furry skin and a beard. Knock on, they made him look hip. They made him look hip. Yeah, this is it. They came to this wonderful conclusion, these wonderful scientists with a heap of bones. Who does the bones say, I wore hair when I was alive? They didn't say that. I'm asking you. So I had this problem with my little intellect, and I found, well, I didn't find, I SMS my brother. I said, I have a smart problem. You are an expert in this bone stuff. Can you explain why they gave this man a hip look? They haven't even studied him yet. And it's just a collection of bones from a cave. You know what he said? This so much shocked me that it shut me up for life. He said, you know, you're quite right. Sometimes we archaeologists do rush things a bit. But the reason is because, you see, we need to raise funds for our research. Listen, that insult to the human intellect is an attempt by a whole group of scientific thought 
that want to, now listen, he went on to say, we will find out the truth about it, but not in your and my lifetime. Not in your and my lifetime. We've got to study in his bones. And in, not in your and my lifetime, but we will find out where it all fits together. This is a highly intelligent man, by the way. One who, after retiring from his dentistry practice, very good dentist, I think you should have stuck to it personally, has gone to University of London and passed his degree with seven distinctions at the age of 62. This intelligent man. And he's saying to me, we sometimes do this. We, whoever this we are, we do this kind of thing to raise funds for our research. So listen to this logic. Here they are. Scientific, scientific research is raising funds with a scam by propagating lies to the public. Amen? So what? They can do research so that one day they can possibly, not in your lifetime, give information that might be true. Can I ask you a question? What's that all about? That's a haggard attempt by humanity to prove that there isn't a God. That's all it is at the heart of it. Can I just tell you that? That's the heart of it. That's the heart of it. And of course, now there's a big fight. This homeowner lady, it seems as though they buried the elders. <gasps> Shock! That means they had some religious observers. <gasps> Our forefathers, the religious. <gasps> well, they didn't find a cross there. Hey? <laughs> it's all classical, brothers and sisters. But let me ask you a question. You and I come and speak to people like that, and you know what happens? This is what happens. They look down at you. Shame. Oh, deluded little man down there. Like a student. You know nothing. You haven't studied like me for 30 years. You know nothing. You know absolutely nothing. Don't even argue with me. Now let me tell you. What is your my response? See, I'm enjoying this. Now let me tell you, the long and the short of it is this. What is your and my response? You start to explain logically. Oh, you know what? The snake spoke like a human because it's a spirit being. I mean, anybody understands the spirit world can understand that. God spoke through a donkey on one occasion. Does that mean the donkey actually logically thought? No, God used its voice. I mean, God can do anything. You understand not too difficult if you know that he's there. But let me just say this, brothers and sisters, we've got to reach these people. But can you and I reach them with intellectual logic? When they're standing up, looking at you down there, and you say something and they say, oh, shame. He believes in snake talk. Shame. You understand? It's a non-starter. Let me tell you what we need. The power of the living God. Are you hearing me? The presence of the living God. No amount of intellectual reasoning will change that mindset. It's impossible. But can I tell you what does change that mindset? One encounter with the living God strikes something like that off its pedestal onto the ground. Amen? And they come begging for the truth because they realize, perhaps for the first time, I'm a filthy sinner and I need God's forgiveness. Are you hearing me today? Are you hearing me today? But you see, how do you now go about it? The way we go about it is biblical. 
we develop our own faith, we learn how to release it with praise and worship, guess what? The Bible speaks of that, you know. Speaks of the Holy Spirit coming on the congregation and the gift of the Holy Spirit operating in a congregation. And an unbeliever, an unbeliever sitting in the congregation and somebody tells him something that there's no human reason why he should know it. Amen. The word of knowledge, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that unbeliever falls to his knees and he says, Surely of a truth, God is in your midst. Are you hearing me today? What I'm trying to say is, brothers and sisters, this anointing, the power of God in our midst, as released in praise and worship, is not an optional extra. Amen. If you and I think we're going to be able to logically explain our way as Christians to everybody, and they're going to simply sit down and listen to our logic and say, oh, that does make sense. Take out the AK and shoot us anyway. Do you understand? These people that get wrapped up in this radical income are like wild beasts. They have no reason. All sense of morality has gone. In the name of Islam, they will do anything. And can I tell you, the ironic thing about it is the reason they prepared to strap a bomb on themselves and come and blow themselves up is because they've been promised a salvation through martyrdom. Did you know that? That's the only way you can be assured of your salvation as a Muslim. You know Plus, guess what? There's a paradise that awaits. Full with fleshly pleasures. Dark-eyed maidens will wait on you every whistle. I don't know if you're going to that really feels but you know what I mean? That's why they think, oh well, I'll just go through this. They're living in hell anyway because of Sharia law. Just to avoid this hell, let me go and have a martyr's death to hell with everybody else, and I'll just escape to paradise. And guess what? The Quran says, the whole thing, it says that it's possible, if necessary, you can lie, if it will further the cause of Islam. Do you know that? A friend of ours went into a trader's store, and there on the wall, this Muslim had written there a whole lot of commandments, which he run his business by, and one of them was, I will not lie to another fellow Muslim. What is he saying? I won't lie to a fellow Muslim, it means anyone else? So you come into the store, guess what? You're reading that, oh, I see you lying to me. But can I say this? Muhammad says, oh, I can lie to you people if it will further the cause of Islam. How do they know he didn't lie to them about the paradise? Are you hearing me? How do they know? Can I tell you the, the history of it all? He found himself in a place where he was very powerful and he was extending himself politically. And you know what he used to extend himself politically? Our present day equivalent of suicide bombers. So guess what he told them? All you wonderful followers of mine, we are going to conquer the enemy. Some of you may die, but don't worry. Paradise awaits. What is he doing? Lying to promote the cause of Islam. But can I tell you something? That lie is so stuck in their thinking. You can't go and argue and talk to them about it and reason with them. Would you like to reason with somebody that's got a whole lot of explosives strapped around him? Hmm? Quite an interesting conversation. <laughs> Just keep your hands up. Before this conversation is talked, I don't want to see your hands going anywhere near your stomach because you don't know where the trick is. You understand? What is the answer? We must have 
the presence of God. Let me just tell you something. The key to this whole thing is yielding to the Spirit of God. Amen? As you and I continue to yield to the Spirit of God in praise and in worship, you know it happens. Without realizing it, we are releasing faith into the Spirit realm. Yes. Our own faith is building and the more we release. The water table is Christ. Can I tell you, if we can get enough people together to know how to really worship God and you know how to go on with it and get it going and just keep going with it, before long, who's going to pitch up? Almighty God comes and then gets what? Dear old Graham gets knocked over. You know he's here by the fact that you know, now it's open time for everybody. What am I saying? We haven't got a choice, is what I'm saying. We haven't got a choice. If we do not pursue this thing with everything we have, guess what? We'll be just swept away as inconsequential. Whether we believe the truth or not. Are you hearing this morning? What am I doing? I'm just encouraging you now to understand how this thing works. Praise and worship, and not just that, the word, etc. The whole process of releasing faith. Remember that wonderful story of Moses. I'm closing with this. It just tells you everything that you and I need to know. Here he is with his team of unskilled warriors. They were slaves. And they're in a foreign land and they're assaulted by a whole army of skilled warriors. And what did Moses do? Did he pick up his cudgels? Oh boy, they can't give them a go. Moses understood something. If God's on your side, it doesn't matter how many there are. So what did he do? Yes, it's important to fight. He appointed Joshua to go out to battle. And he stood up on the hill. You all know the story. And what did Moses do? Moses did what the Bible instructs us to do. He lifted holy hands. Now guess what's happening while he's lifting holy hands, looking up to God. Can I tell you what's going on? He's releasing his faith into the spiritual realm and God Almighty with the chariots of Israel is able to come down and fight on his behalf. Do you know what that means? One of the Philistines is about to clobber one of the Israelites angel grants his hand. <laughs> you understand? What happened? It's documented in the Old Testament. Moses being a human being, you try this for a few minutes, what happened? His hand grew weary. As his hands grew weary, what happened? No faith. The angels now have to. Bam! You understand? The Philistines could get stuck in. The tide of battle turned. So Moses <laughs> on the hilltop. So what was his solution to this problem? Aaron and her hold my hands up. You understand? Hold my hands up. And while his hands are up, the battle turned in favor of who? Israel, until they had complete victory. Totally outnumbered, but not outnumbered because God was on the sea. Why was God on the sea? A man of faith is releasing his faith into the spirit realm. It's more real than you and I can understand. What am I saying? You and I, brothers and sisters, the more time we can spend releasing faith into the spirit realm, guess what? The more God can work on your and mine. Be off. Amen and start to see things happen in our lives that were totally impossible in the natural. Totally impossible. And he's able to raise us up as a mighty, mighty army. 
Amen. Then you profession to do stuff. Because who's on our side? Not God in theory. Are you hearing me? Not God theoretical. Oh, I'm a Christian. God's on my side. Splat. Next one. No. God's on my side. <clears throat> Splat. Bam! It makes so much sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to you. It's so simple, really. It's so simple. It's got nothing to do with your and my genius, although the brain doesn't have to be excused or laughed off. No, it's all matters. Everything matters. But you and I have this responsibility to give God the faith in our community that He needs. Amen? To continually be lifting up our hands in worship as it were, giving Him the faith that He needs to do what only God can do. Amen? Only God can. We do that. We can change. By worshipping here, we can change the whole destiny of our country. Do you know that? Person to think, isn't it? Not you and I doing it, God, but He needs what? Cooperation. It's great.